to episode eight of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. It's the third day of Ramadan. Dunya, how are you feeling? Girl, I'm feeling good. I love Ramadan. And I know everybody says it, but it's honestly my most favorite time of the year. Yeah, it's crazy how like even though we're not eating and drinking, my mood changes completely for the better. Yeah, I feel like I'm all holy oh, and like yeah. listening to lectures and everything. Right. I wish I was like this all out the year. year. Yeah. yeah, and I think I we should find a way to like keep this momentum going. Oh, I know we're still in the beginning of Ramadan and I'm kind of talking about towards yeah. the end, but it's just it's it's a really nice month. I feel like you have way more time to actually connect with your faith and your family and like, your family, yeah. It's actually all of us sit down at the same time on a dinner table at this age is really nice because everybody's always working. Exactly. And everyone always has like different schedules, so it's nice that everyone can align theirs during Ramadan. Yeah. And have like an actual family dinner when we're sitting on the table talking and, and just having fun with them and for some reason food tastes 10 times better in ramadan yeah, it like does. it's like oh kifta we're having kifta tonight i'm down <laughs> delicious it's so, it's i'm so a vegetarian good. and i start like salivating over like meat during Wait, ramadan yeah so what yeah. do you eat during ramadan? i mean look do you feel like more tired i don't know if this is offensive to people that don't eat meat but do you feel like more tired during ramadan not really because i still do get protein in yeah you know what i mean like i still do have like beans and stuff like that so i'm i am getting protein in but i don't get people who do not wake up for suhoor are you a suhoor person or no i used to be when i lived at home and my mom would make suhoor for us Girl. but like now it's hard like i'm up at like 6 30 for work so like for me to wake up at like 3 30 4 o'clock to eat and then go back to sleep for an hour it's hard like I, i'd rather I, just eat yeah. before i sleep but i don't know i can't like there's no way no way i can sleep through the night yeah and not like wake up or whatever i'll be so pissed like i even tell my mom like i'm like i set my alarm up like i have like literally three alarms for suhoor because i really want to wake <laughs> up but i'm so in a deep sleep sometimes like you don't hear it if i know that everybody's eating food without me and they didn't wake me up oh my god that that's would piss like, me off like betrayal that's really that honestly yeah, is betrayal. betrayal somebody put it up was in nadira on instagram she posted that video i'm like how i can totally relate to what yeah, she's saying yeah. like how do you not wake somebody up for food i just miss the days where like i was in college and i could like stay up all night yeah eat food and then sleep all day and then like go to my night class no this it is was, why i hate you can't do that nowadays because i'm like you i have to wake up at 6 a.m yeah. but i don't mind it like I'll wake up like at four. I won't go back to sleep. Though. Thirty minutes. I'll eat. really. Yeah. If I'm up and I ate. Like I'm not going back to sleep. Damn. And then I don't know about you, but when I was like younger, well, actually not younger, like maybe up until three years ago, I used to break my fast on Reese pieces. Oh my god, Danielle! Yeah. And you probably day. still do that. Okay, I don't, but I don't know why. I used to like for some reason I used to think dates were disgusting and dates they didn't are delicious. taste right. But they're so good. Yeah, like they're, they're so delicious. good. And I'm like. I used to break my fast on a Reese PC buttercup over a day. Yeah, that's not so nice. That's not so nice at all. Like, what was I thinking at all? And oh. then I realized, like, you're, you're supposed to eat them in odd numbers, too, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes you just want poly two, but sorry, right. if you're going for I the two, you like better go for the three. I drink milk and then eat milk? a date. Yeah, milk. Oh, I didn't and know. And then you go and you suddenly maghrib and then you come back and, like, eat your dinner. Make sure this is correct information. We don't want I, people misquoting I us I, that's in the comments. I, that's what I've heard. <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> Disclaimer. So that's what I've heard. Right. Say personally your yes, story, personally. basically. Um, how has, like, balancing work in Ramadan been for you? Work isn't too bad. Um, my job is awesome. They said that I could at least work from home once a week. It's just yeah. the commuting. And I wish I had that option to work yeah. from home but i just i have to be in the i'm newsroom. quieter in ramadan like i told my coworkers, listen no hard feelings but i just rather not talk to you all this month. well I one wanna... because you have no energy and yeah two, like you it. don't want to open your mouth because like okay not all about that girl you bring a listerine with you and you're good 
my god really like everyone has ramadan breath okay i don't now want to talk about ramadan breath because ramadan it's just breath like nasty it is but honestly just go to the bathroom girl and, and just, gargle yeah everybody gargle, gargle please listerine they got them in the travel um aisles can in you can you use listerine you're not swallowing do know. not be one of those people that are gonna come in and like know. are you wearing chapstick that's hot on do not yeah no no i'm not like that i can't stand people no, like that my lips get so like are chapped. you i'm not sorry i'm like literally putting chapstick on my lips i'm not, I'm not licking my it, lips like every five seconds off. what like about the, like the smackers one that have like the flavors <laughs> those days <laughs> you're bringing back like such good memories and then it's just like now yeah. I, I don't care i just grab whatever's at walgreens yeah. and, but i okay the weirdest thing i think in ramadan is um when you go to restaurants oh my god yes. that's probably the only time of the year out of our on time to right. dinner reservations right because we're starving we want to go and eat you want to make sure that you have <laughs> enough time to get there sit down look at the menu order your food but sometimes the food comes out like 10 minutes before the event and you're just sitting there like awkwardly staring at your food so we were at giordano's and literally the way the i don't know the staff or whatever i could see them they're huddled and they're looking at our family they're like dude you got like three big deep big dish pizzas pizzas, yeah. pizzas right in front of you guys and we're just like look at them and i'm looking at them like listen educate yourself like how long has ramadan been around right. you all need to know that it's ramadan time we're waiting for the sun to go down and then we can eat but it was just very uncomfortable because it, 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 they were just looking at us like is there something wrong with our food why are these people not eating they're <laughs> just staring at it yes we're like, just truly. literally staring well at that's it. why like i started doing like i would ask the waitress like hey like i'm fasting bring my food out at 8 15 and they know yeah. exactly when to bring it out. But before we started doing that, like, it would be the same. Where I'd be just, like, looking down at my plate, like, you got, salivating over yeah. it. And it's, like... I have to keep, the, the like, you know how you get a cup of water and, like, they bring it out? Like, I got to keep that away from myself because I swear to God, it never fails. I don't know why I'm like this. Like, I'm... It's embarrassing. I always, like, take the water and I start drinking it, not realizing, like, hello, you've right. been fasting for the past, like, 10 hours, and now you decide to just, like, sip this water just because it's in front of you. I don't <laughs> it's think. it's in front of you, yeah. yeah. I don't think, like, you're talking with it's your family. It's a reflex. Yeah. yeah, it is a reflex. And you drink it, and I'm like, wow, what a shame, that whole fast. I mean, it doesn't didn't go for yeah, nothing. Yeah, but still, like, yeah. to break it, like, last minute. But either way, I think this is a very important month. Oh, Inshallah yeah. for everyone. I really want us to um, just take full advantage of it. Go to lectures. Go to the gym. Oh, yeah. If you can, pray that a week. If you can't, you do yeah, it at home. Do it at home. We yeah, used to do, do it, it at home. home back in the day. In our, like when we were younger, my uncle used to lead it at home. And yeah, we'd all do, do it at home. Get your family all together. Yeah. And, and Spend like you time said, with your family for sure. I know work gets in the way, but this is yeah. like the best time to do it. I think we're kind of all on the same schedule when it comes to Ramadan since we're all eating at the right. same time. I'm just so. happy this year I get home. I mean, I get home around 8, so it's been a little yeah. bit tight on time. But last year I was working the night shift, so I was yeah. breaking my fast at work. And I know wow. a lot of people probably like in the medical field and all that, they still have to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's And that's the thing. Like I know Abiyad in our last episode was talking about like having to break your fast at work. It's, it's, it's kind of sad, yeah, I know, because like you want to feel like the whole family faith type feel right. of like Ramadan but well FaceTime your family when you're eating yeah why not <laughs> you guy, can still have girl, that everybody's devouring they ain't got time for a FaceTime yeah. or whatever but yeah I'm excited about today's episode I am too um it's a very touchy subject it is I think it's a very personal and intimate story but um today's guest is gonna be Fathin Ode because she's actually somebody that I've known for the longest um we met when we were 15 in the Bled I mean that's like where you make like your 
your best friends when you yeah. go to in the Those summer. Those are friendships that last forever. They are. You bond so much. Yeah. So we met when we were 15 um, in the Bled. Then um, we can't come here to the States. Her, te- or her sister was actually my English teacher. So it's a small world. Wow. Um, and it's not really a small world. She's from the Bira. She's yeah, from the yeah. same village as us. So yeah, um, ever since then, we've been really, really good friends. I mean, this is like a decade now. Um, but I truly want to let her know how appreciative we are of her for coming on and talking about her experience with infertility. Yes. This is something that not a lot of people come out in the open and talk about. But so many women are dealing with it. And so but, yeah. I commend her for just coming out, telling us her story, just being open about something that not a lot of women are very open about. And open about. Yeah, like and I think we do need it's to... It's so important. We do need to share these stories more often than that because there's a lot of myths that surround it. And then there's a lot right. of just the way you treat these people that yeah. are going sort through Sort of it. like shame and guilt. Yeah. And, and we need to like diminish those feelings and yeah she's actually been married for nine years too so for her she felt like it's necessary like i need to just come out and open and let everybody know my story underneath her belt she has so much going on yeah this girl is like a trailblazer she basically has her degree in journalism she has her political science degree she has her master's in history education um she has a tesla endorsement which they teach english to people who speak other languages um, she's an Islamic teacher herself as well. Uh, she lives in Cleveland, Ohio, um, and she's actually one of the creatives behind West Bank Narrative. So, yeah, they just started it, and it's an initiative to share and capture stories of people from Palestine, people that um, left Palestine and right. they live here. And kind here. of humanize us in a exactly. sense where, like the media isn't really doing a good job nowadays. No, and so it's just, even though she's, she was going through this hardship, she's still going through, or she's still taking all this on. Yeah. She's still keeping busy, and she's still she moving forward. She put her life on pause for this. Absolutely, and that's why I love her. Um, so I really... Um, can't wait for her to come on for us to talk to her for you guys to listen to her story but before that as usual let's announce our giveaway winner this was for knafa queens delicious like i tried them for the first time a few weeks ago fell in love i already placed an order like it's the perfect like ramadan dessert yeah because it's we did a perfect. poll on our Instagram, and everybody, well, and majority of people chose Kanafa. Kanafa is the best dessert, Dude, hands fun. down. Like, don't at me if you disagree. Yeah. Kanafa is the best. Thank you. And it's not your typical Kanafa. So I know, like, when I was at the iHeart Halal event, everybody's overhyping, like, oh my God. Well, they were hyping it up. I don't want right. to say overhyping, because then when I tasted it, I was like, wow. Oh, it deserves all the hype. This deserves to be yeah. really hyped. And, like, let's be honest, no one has the energy to make Kanafa. Yeah. It's, it's a long process, at least for me, it is. Yeah. Like, just order it from them. Like, they take all the stress out of making Kanafa. And I want to acknowledge uh, Fatima because she's the face behind Kanafa Queens. And I, it's like her pies are so sweet, but like this sounds funny, but she's just even much, much sweeter. Oh, yeah. She is like the cutest person, the sweetest person. Sweeter than Kata. And you know, some people like to use the hashtag woman for women, but they're really not. No, this girl embodies oh, yeah. women she's supporting so, women. Like she's a woman business owner herself, but she's so like adamant on like helping other businesses she, she supported and platforms us, like, get off their feet. Yeah. yeah. As soon as she found out about it, she supported us. And I love that. So who's the lucky winner? The lucky winner is dun, 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 Adiba M19. Okay, yes. I love her. Yeah, she she's always so supports us too. supportive and she deserves it. And so, Adiba, you can slide into our DMs and we can uh, ship out a Knafo yes, to you straight from Knafo It's the perfect Queen. time of year to like enjoy it. Absolutely. You're so right. You're, are you ready to let's, dive in? Let's do it.
Welcome, Fathin. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for being brave enough to come on here and want to share this very, very personal story of yours. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to be a part of this beautiful podcast. So thank you for having me. So let's start at the beginning. Um, How long have you and your husband been married? Um, We got married um, in September of 2010. So uh, this September, inshallah, will be nine years. Inshallah. And you guys have been trying for kids for how long? Um, It's really hard to put a marker on the exact year that we started because the years just start blending together as the years go by and they do and, and they I go don't, by fast. Yeah. And I don't think right away you decide like you want to have kids. Like there was a process to finally deciding you wanted to right. try. Okay. Right. Like definitely. I definitely knew for sure the first year I did not want to have any kids. Um, we were just getting to know each other. I was still in school. He was just finishing. Um, and then the second year I actually left, um, my state, like I left Ohio and went back to North Carolina to go get my master's for a year. So, you know, that was two years into our marriage. And then the third year we were like, it was like not starting all over again, but it was kind of because I was away for a year. So we were just getting on our feet again and we were, you know, finding a good place, a good rhythm. So, um, I, I don't know when we actually started, but I was, I would think maybe around the fourth or fifth year we started to, you know, be more serious about it. Like taking seriously and just saying, okay, I think we're at a good place right now. Alhamdulillah. So let's just start this beautiful family, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Yeah. So when did you realize that this isn't as easy as you thought it was going to be and you almost kind of had no control over this or when you finally realized like, wow, this is a part of my life that I actually finally do not have control over? Yeah, I think maybe around the fifth year um, of marriage, I started questioning and being suspicious about, uh, I don't know about suspicious, but kind of like wondering, is there a problem? Is there something we need to go check out? Um, And what do I need to do for that? You know? Yeah, because when I was doing my own research, because I'm not going to lie, IVF, I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just a simple procedure. You right. go into the doctor's office. They find out that, you know, you, you can't conceive. So let's just do the simple procedure and you should be good. Let's just wait and see if it works out. But it's much, much more than that. So oh, it is. It's it's a long process. Yeah. First, you need to go get checked. Uh, so you go and check yourself first. That's um, when you feel you, like you're and when you're not conceiving. So you you and your spouse decide like, hey, let's go check out a doctor because infertility. What it means, what the true definition means, is if you're trying for a whole year to conceive and you're not you conceiving. So that's yeah. what basically that's what you did. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and they, any anyone will tell you, like if you go to any doctor, they will tell you, oh, well, how long have you been trying? Yeah. Come back to us in a year. And you think a year, oh my God, that's so long, yes. right? Um, so that has to happen first. Um, and then you're like, okay, a year ha- went by and nothing. Uh, what do I do now? So that's, they'll test you. Um, and then also, like I've, I've mentioned before, people, it takes two to tango. You both should get tested yeah. and, and make sure that everything, all your, you know, everything is in perfect condition. Because if the situation isn't in the perfect way, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. And there's many it, no procedures. There's also more than one procedure. So you got to make sure you're getting the correct procedure, even though IVF kind of trumps all of them. And it's almost like the go to procedure right yes there are many procedures and before i got on this i actually wanted to look into make sure i was saying everything correctly yeah there are um there is something called iui yeah which is a intrauterine insemination 
Um, and that's like the easier, that's like a lot easier than IVF. Um, and that's where they, I guess they, they specially wash the sperm and then they put it directly into the uterus. Um, and that's, it's, it's cheaper yes. than IVF. Um, but it's not as successful. Is that like and, artificial insemination? I, yes. yes. Yeah. And there's four types of those, I guess. But I don't really know all the types. And that one is more for more so for the male. Like if it's not the female, if it's the male that can't, you know, so it's more so for the male. And then that's when they do that. But it's just like, no, it's the IVF is the one that really is going to work and answer all the problems right. that may arise. Yeah. And you hope so. Yes, and, inshallah. And yeah. Not, there's IVF and then there's something called um, ICSI IVF, mm-hmm. I, I-C-S-I IVF. And that's, when an embryologist takes um, takes the sperm, a single sperm, and injects it directly into an egg, and then they place it in you, but it's yeah. it's a long process to even get to that point. Yeah, again, it's like it's easy, so easy to explain, but when you're actually at the doctor's office and you're doing this, Fathen, it is not that easy. It's not a simple one, two, three oh, process. When, it isn't. But before yeah. before you guys decided to consult a doctor and before you realized, like, maybe this is what we're supposed to do, did you think about, like, changing maybe your lifestyle? Maybe, like, because I, I was reading up online, like, some people, like, eat healthier. They right. they go running. They quit change. Smoking. Yeah, they quit smoking, all that stuff. Did you, were you guys trying that or what was going on before you went to uh, see the doctor? Yeah, I'm, you know, with, you know, advice of my mom and other yeah. people, you know, make sure you're eating healthy, make sure you're, you're losing weight. And, you know, everyone has some kind of home remedy, yeah. right? right? Um, Like how many, and I just feel like people get scammed into these things. How many, right? <laughs> how much money they spend on like different types of honey that is the cure-all from yeah. the blood or, yeah. <laughs> or, or this type of herb and that type of herb when they'll even get personal like, Okay, try this position or that position. Okay, thank you. I don't oh, need this advice. Oh my god! <laughs> so you're talking about like yeah, people actually like telling you other things you can do right. instead of eating healthy. Like, and it's like people that you're not even that close to. I'm like okay, like yeah, I don't need. Personal. Thanks a lot. Definitely yeah, don't need to know what you're that. doing in the bedroom. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, and it's probably really frustrating for you. You were probably like, this no, this is not gonna solve it. You're a little at home remedy. This is a huge issue and that's when you decide right. to consult a doctor. Right, exactly. And you know, you try to humor these people because you wanna look thankful and say right. thank you, you know, caring. Thanks for buying me this jar of honey. Thank you for <laughs> for this herb that I don't know what to do with. Yeah. Um Um, but then I'm like, all right, I'll you know, I'll take it and I'll try it, but um I know that there's more I need to do. Um, and so, you know, you go and you get tested and it takes time. First of all, it takes time to make appointments, especially if you're going to uh, a very busy, uh, you know, doctor that everyone you know tries to go to. So it takes months sometimes to get an appointment just to get checked. Can we talk about that- why? And I think a lot of people don't realize why one in eight couples suffer it's from infertility. People going through this. That's very oh, common. Yeah. That's so common. That could be your cousin, your sister. Right. I mean, one in eight couples. This is why they're super busy because there's a lot of people dealing with this issue. So. Yes, we don't talk about it as often, but trust me, you're not alone. You obviously, you 100% know somebody that's going through this. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I know a whole, like, I know a handful of people just within my small circle who are going through it, but you, you know, nobody really likes to talk about it. No. It's like, well, it's a shame. I'm ashamed. It's a, it's, it's a defect that I have, or I don't want anyone to know that there's something wrong. It's not that something's wrong. It's your trial that God gave you. Exactly. And, and it's it's your test. Wait, would somebody look at you 
uh, wrong for taking the LSATs? Would they be like, oh, look at her. She's taking the LSAT. That's your test. This is your test. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be a, dark, a deep, dark secret. And the more you hold it in, at least for me, the more you hold it in, um, the more depressed you get about it, the more you suffer in silence and the more like you, you're in anguish about it. Um, uh, so I just feel like it's unhealthy and it helps no one to keep it a secret. Um, it doesn't help you and it doesn't help anyone else suffering through the same thing. And do you feel like, because I commend you for talking about it, Fatin, and, and usually, usually people within our community, especially because we believe in hasad and being jinx and whatnot, a lot of people wait until it actually works, until you're actually pregnant and you conceived and Absolutely. you had a healthy baby girl or boy. Because you always hear like the success stories, but you never hear the progress. Yeah. So why did you decide to say your story before even, before even you know, where the IVF process was successful. Why did you decide like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to wait. People need to hear this story. You know, because, you know, I went to the Vlad one summer and it's like everywhere I went, you know, I'm trying to be on vacation. Okay. I'm trying to enjoy my life. I'm on vacation. You don't need to like question me about my hardships. Even if I don't even know you, right? Like, who are you to ask me such a personal question? Right. Um, and, but it's like every corner I turned, no matter where I was, or even if I even knew who the person was, they'd ask me, what's wrong? How come you don't have kids? Why don't you have this? Why don't you And it's like, they just nitpick at me. And I just like, you know what? I'm going to own it. I'm going to say that this is a, this is a trial I'm going through and I'm going to try to go through it gracefully. And in the process, I'm going to try to help others. So, um, and I feel like the more we normalize it, the more it, uh, becomes easier for people to deal with. You know, and you have to think, alhamdulillah, at least it's not something worse. But at least there's medication. At least there's other ways. And if not, then it's what God chose for me to do. It's what God chose for me to go through for some reason that I don't know. That was so, but, yeah, beautifully said. Sorry, go ahead, Fathen. Thank you. But yeah, the the so the time, so I had to go through that all summer, tormented by these people who, you know how they are overseas. Yeah, girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we know. Yeah. And then, like, even if it was their own like it, like I have even seen, for example, I had this one example, this random lady who I even saw her daughter-in-law in the same facility doing wow. the same thing, but I didn't say anything. She came and asked me, she came to, into, you know, my in-law's house and my mother-in-law wasn't even there, but questioned me. And, you know, at the moment I'm so, I'm dumb. Like I don't realize when somebody's like messing with me. So yeah. she's like, Oh, what's wrong? Did you go get checked? I am, I'm only saying this because I care about you. This is the first time I've ever seen you before in my life. Oh my She's God. like, there's nothing wrong with my daughter-in-laws. They just waited. They're just waiting because da 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 Okay, well, maybe I waited too. What makes you think there's something wrong with me if that's what the excuse you want to use? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm exactly. just tired of it. I just think um, so you need I to stop asking couples when they're going to have kids because it's nobody's business. And I think it we also that. no, and I think we also have to stop assuming, assuming that there's something wrong just because a couple hasn't had kids. Yeah, because I know um, the thing is going back to your story, Fat, and like, yeah, like it w would this person come and ask you, oh, how much do you make for a living? Do we go around asking each other salaries? No, we no. don't. Why are we asking? Yeah, it's so rude. Yeah, and that's yeah. a salary. Like it won't affect us. But to come and ask something as personal and intimate as why don't you have kids or when are you going to conceive? When did that become okay to ask? I don't okay. understand. It should not never. Okay. It's not okay. I doubt, I highly doubt that um, when Sayyidina Muhammad and uh, Sitna Aisha um, 
did not have kids, I highly doubt that someone said, oh, Aisha, why don't you have kids? Yeah. Sayyidina why aren't you having kids with Aisha? I, I doubt that anyone would have the audacity to do that. So why do you think it's okay to do that to anybody else? And that's what I'm saying. Where's that disconnect from the days of our Prophet, peace be upon him, to us now? Why why have we become this type of culture where we are just really nosy and going deep into right. people's personal business? You know, my husband and I have been married for three years mm-hmm. and we would always get, we always get questioned. And like, Alhamdulillah, we, we haven't started trying to, yeah. but people don't know that. Who gives you the right to ask? Exactly. And the reason that right. we haven't had is because I want to focus on my career for a little bit. Yeah. But you don't have any... to explain that. That's yeah, not their interest. But like, you, not... kind of feel, yeah. you kind of feel like obligated to explain it. And at the beginning, right. it would kind of bother me. But now just like, you know, when you come and watch my kid when I go to work, then I'll have a baby. But yeah. other than, like, you have no right to ask. You know what I mean? Like, it's none of your business. So that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, why? It, like, are you going to live my life? Are you going to raise this child? Exactly. Are you gonna, exactly. No, like, why? Why do you need to know this? <laughs> yeah. And then so like going back to the office, I mean, or the doctor's office. So you went to the doctor's office. They basically told you this is the best process. This is what you should take, which is the IVF process. Correct. Right. Yes. And so, um, you know, I, so after that, that experience, I, um, you know, I decided, okay, I've been living with this for a long time. I'm going to explain this to my, my high school girls Mm -hmm. because I knew that, um, they're going to see me sad sometimes. They're going to see me. Not to cut you off, but these high school girls are the girls that you teach. You're a teacher and an Islamic school. school, And they're in high school and, you know, and I, you know, I'm a teacher through and through. So if there's anything from my life that somebody can learn from, um, you know, let, let them learn from it, even if it's a hard thing to learn. Um, and when I told them they, you know, I did, I did tear up and they all gave me hugs and they were so supportive. And one of them came up to me and said, Miss Fatson, thank you so much. It's so brave of you for you to come forward and tell us this, you know, we're all going to pray for you. And, you know, it was just so nice. And, I just wanted to let them know because I didn't want them to see me go through different mood swings. I didn't know how medication is going to be on me. You know, it's all different hormones that you're taking. So alhamdulillah, and that felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, because instead of having them assume that you're just being mean one day or just giving you the eye and wondering what's wrong with our teacher and whatnot, Hollis, you just like settled that and you opened up. And this is what you get in return. You do get support and you get love. And there is a lot of that, you know, and it's just that's why it's very important to open up about our hardships and tribulations sometimes. So exactly. Yeah. And, and if anything, I want them to know, okay, everyone's going to have a different hardship. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is, this could be one of them and, you know, hopefully they don't go through it, but if they have to, they'll know, they'll see that. Okay. I remember I had a teacher who went through this, so it's not only me Yes, or they know not to ask somebody, why do they not have kids? (laughs) I knew myself not to ask anymore, but even just listening to your story, like I'm just like 100% like tight lipped. I never, ever, ever want to ask anybody because it's, it's just not right. It's not fair. And to keep mentioning it. And it's just, again, it's a, it's personal. It's super personal. Like right. you, you do not ask that intimate question between a, a person and their husband or their wife and what goes on in their bedroom. Like, come exactly. on. That's, that's just tasteless, girl. <laughs> yeah. Can we go back to like the, the process? process? Yeah. yeah. So what does the process look like? 
after um, a year of trying, like they suggest, you go back, um, if nothing worked, you go back and they, um, they test you, they test him, they do different blood tests, um, then they tell you, okay, try this medication or that medication and this vitamin and that, then you wait a couple months, then they do testing again, and then they do, um, then they tell you, okay, you, you're going to have to do IVF. Um, and the process is not an easy one and it's not a cheap one at all. No. Um, you know, there's, let me think, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's at least eight different medications that, um, that a female might have to take. And that's maybe shots, pills, patches, wow. um, every day every and you day. have to be precise. Wow. Yes. You have to be precise in taking it when you're going to take it and they have to be refrigerated and they have to, so so it's not easy. You have to plan around it. It's hard to take trips if you need to take trips. And- How long does this take, like all this medication? And if, if if you need to take the shots and whatnot, like, are you doing this for a week? Are you doing this for a month? Like how long? Well, they might start you on, which sounds weird. They might start you on birth control okay. like way before. Yeah. So that way they can have control of your ovaries and know when to do certain things. Um, and then uh, the shots, I believe, are like 10 days. Mm-hmm. I think they're 10 days. And then even after that, there's even a process of uh, medication and um, progesterone oil shots or even, um, this is going to sound gross, vaginal suppositories. So (laughs) it's not easy. And then then you have to avoid certain things like uh, not too much activity. Um, like exercising, but not too little. Yeah, you know, you could possibly get fat from this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, when you say I don't know, it's because of the certain point you came to in the IVF process, you weren't able to one hundred percent go through with it. And right. if we can talk about that as well. Yeah. So so after they harvest your eggs like and so you sound like an animal right you're laying eggs it's almost like a science (laughs) project too like they're really like examining you yeah i really wonder who the first person to try this i always wonder the stuff i always do look who's the genius behind it that says we can we can do this you can't conceive but we still can figure this out yeah Exactly. Who volunteered like, right? <laughs> to try it? I love how lighthearted um, you are about this, but it's it's so true. Like yeah. you always wonder, your mind wanders and things. Yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. So, um, so you know, you go you, before they harvest your eggs. You're going back and forth to the doctor. Sometimes before work, like at six thirty wow. in the morning, you're get, you're getting blood tested. You're you're getting um, uh, vaginal ultrasounds so that they can measure the eggs to see if they're growing and how many are growing. Um, but then after that, um, they're like, okay, your eggs look mature. It's time to harvest them, right? Yes. So they take them out and you're asleep. Mm-hmm. It's process. And they use a needle, I believe, right? They take the needle and they insert it and then they basically take the eggs out of you, right? Yeah, I yeah. believe it's a long needle. And it's I a catheter. A I don't know how to say it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they, they harvest them and then um, then they, they take, you know, your husband's sperm and they – they, if you're doing ICSI, they try to like insert it into the eggs, right? Yes. And they try to get as many as they can. And then the process isn't even over yet. Okay. So no, it's... <laughs> it's a long process. It takes three to five days for them to observe the, if they're, if the embryos are growing. Mm-hmm. Okay. The way that they're supposed to. Because right now at this point we have the sperm that's inside the egg and this is when, yeah, the embryo is supposed to start waiting, growing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So they, they watch them 24 hours 
And every day you're calling the lab or the lab is calling you. Hey, are they growing? Are they, are the cells dividing the way they're supposed to? Mm -hmm. um, are they okay? So it's like, it's like the children that you don't have yet, but you're, you're hoping for them and you're, and you're calling them every day. Did it grow? Are they, and then, you know, it, it'll be, it's so hard to deal with that. Five days is a long time. It is. To, to wait and see if your future is going to change. Absolutely. And it is, it's your future. This is not something temporary. This is for the rest of your life. So what right. happened after that, after you were called? You know, um, you know, they might say, okay, well, you might have started off with nine, right? Nine eggs. Mm -hmm. Okay. They might say, okay, nine eggs were, hard, were taken from you, nine mature eggs. Uh, no, nine eggs were taken from you. And then like, let's say maybe even less were mature. They could say five were mature. Okay. So those other eggs that were like, I guess, immature were not usable. And then they might say, okay, um, three fertilized or four fertilized. Okay. So that's, that's what you want. You want them to fertilize. Absolutely. And then they watch them to grow. And then they might say, okay, well, one of them died. Like one of them stopped growing. Okay. So you're like, okay, that's, that's okay. That's not going to work. And then they might, you might call the next day. You're like, okay, well, this one's growing, but growing slowly. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end, you may end up with one or two or none, wow. you know? Um, and then even after that, even if they go to the full, um, I guess, growth term, I guess. I don't know if yeah. they, this is a long word, something blast girl. Yeah. It's a blast of <laughs> something like that, where it means like all the cells that call that's it. It's at the final stage. And then it right. could be placed back into your uterus and inshallah, it clings to the lining of your uterus and then it should start growing inshallah and become a baby. Inshallah. Yeah. yeah. And then you, and you still have to wait, right? Mm -hmm. So then you have like to wait two weeks for a blood test to see if pregnant, then you, you know, and then even that it might not even last. No. Some people go through miscarriages. Um, they might get get a, a like a positive pregnancy test, um, and then they'll they'll lose the baby. Subhanallah. There's a reason for it. You know, right. maybe that baby would have been maybe something would have been wrong with that baby. Absolutely. Um, because if it was a healthy baby, it it would have probably lasted. But if it if it's not going to like be healthy, then Subhanallah, Allah lets it go. Yeah, because Allah chooses the hardships for you, and some hardships you can handle, and some are not. You know, they're not meant for you, and some are meant for you. So there is yeah. there is truly a reason for absolutely everything. Absolutely. But I, I just think I want people to understand the IVF process is not a simple one, two, three step. Um, it's not just a quick visit to the doctor and it doesn't always mean 100% that it will work. People assume that you're putting, you're, you're putting all this money in fat and, and you hope, you truly hope that call us at the end, there will be like a light at the end of the tunnel and you'll get the baby that you've been dreaming for. And it didn't happen. Exactly. And, um, and like you said, it's it's a it's an expensive process. Absolutely. It's at least yeah. at the very least it's fifteen thousand dollars. And a lot of insurance do not pay for it because they think it's like an unnecessary procedure mm -hmm. or um or there's like there's a lot of like things that you have to requirements you have to meet for the insurance to pay for it. And they most likely will not even pay for most of it. So it's expensive, it's a financial burden. It's an emotional burden. It's a physical um, hardship, uh, like all these things. And the whole world is watching. Yeah. Right. The whole world, meaning your family, your extended family, your friends, your coworkers, everybody, right. everybody. The whole world's watching. And like I said, even if you don't even know them, they'll know. They know. They know. They'll yeah, know. They and they, know. That, that, and it feels like so much pressure that, that society, is, society is putting on you. Um, so that makes it even harder. And you think, what's wrong with me? But you can't think like that, you know. You just have to take it gracefully. How did this affect you physically, the process? 
You know, I don't know. I mean, even before this, you know, when I got married, I gained weight. Girl, <laughs> right just tell us the, the wedding stress is done with. Yeah. You're chilling. You're I don't relaxing. know. Your body changes. Yeah, like I used to be able to eat whatever. Yeah. And, and that's, not, that's how I felt. Like I was like, what's going on? And then it's like, I mean, I keep blaming. It's been three years. And I'm like, oh, it's the honeymoon, right? And they're like, <laughs> it's been three years. Like you can't keep blaming it on that. Like, but right. But we talked about this with Abiyat in our yeah. last episode. We need to embrace and, and, and accept, love our bodies and accept. Yeah. Our bodies because if we're growing up here in our minds, our bodies, we're always going to be changing physically, mentally, emotionally. We're always going to be a growing human being. So we can't always assume, like, where's my 19 year old body? You know what I mean? Right. We're not those girls anymore. Exactly. (laughs) No. We're we're better. We're better now than we were before. I'm sure we have to embrace it. Um, But, you know, I think mostly, you know, we need to, you know, take care of ourselves for ourselves, for our health you know, and for us to feel good about ourselves. But, um, uh, I think though they tell you not to exercise too much, yeah. but you also need to still stay active. Right. You know, Adam will tell you to be on bed rest, but that's not no. what you're supposed to do. Okay. You, you know, at, at least go walking you know, every day yeah, after you're, you're, yeah. you're Kathayef during this. <laughs> because you might become bloated from this, you, you know, there's a lot of things going on well, in your body. You don't. Have I believe your food. ovaries, um, they're usually small, and then they become the size of coconuts. So right, they there, enlarge. Yes, yeah, they enlarge to that size. So it's it's kind of sad in a way because it almost looks like you are pregnant. So you're going to start getting those questions from people like, "Oh, Michelle, finally, your belly, alhamdulillah, yeah. you're pregnant," but it's heartbreaking because they don't know. No, I'm not pregnant. I'm actually going through this process that makes me look bloated, and I don't even know if it's working or not. So I mean, aside yeah, from my- and it hurts. Yeah. so much when you're yes. are inflated like it just it feels like everything is stretching inside of you like constantly and it just it, it hurts so much it's and like pms times 10 i heard like it's horrible. oh yeah it's it is horrible um yeah. and before this people thought i was already pregnant because i had just gotten fat from being married oh my god people <laughs> always assume everybody's oh, pregnant yeah. oh yeah uh, it's like, I think I'm not pregnant. They're like, are you sure? I'm sure. I'm just yeah. a little overweight. Leave me alone. How did this affect your mental state yeah. too? Because I know mental health is a big deal. And this is definitely, if it's it's causing physical change, I, I'm pretty sure mentally it, it was hurting you. Especially if you're you. injecting hormones. It's probably making it so much yeah, worse. Yeah, you're right, Zaina. Right. You know, alhamdulillah, I think I have a pretty positive attitude most of the time. You do? And I think that's because I turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, for everything. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has really helped me through this. And it got me closer to God um, and made me more understanding of other people's different situations. Um, but I, I just feel like if I didn't have that relationship with Allah, that I probably would have gone into a much deeper depression. Yeah, there are times where you're going to have ups and downs. Right. You're going to be like, you're going to feel sorry for yourself. And you're like, oh, why is this happening to me? You need to stop that. Okay. It's happening to you because it's God's gift to you in some capacity. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like, I I think when you go through the worst hardship in your life, it's subhanAllah. That's what brings you the closest to Allah. I mean, it could go to one of both ways. Either you veer away from Allah and you blame him for everything, or you just open your eyes and you become closer to Allah and understand that everything does happen for a reason. Because like when I personally went through something, I like, honestly, that's the reason why I got close to Allah. That's why I went back to praying. Give you a burden that you can't work through yeah you know so so planned it does relieve some of that like depression and yeah yeah. but i don't think all of it 
not all of it. I'm pretty sure, Fifth, and there were nights where you're down and you grieved. And I think it's, I think the most important thing that you could do is grieve because you cannot suppress these emotions and allow them to come up at a random point in your life when you haven't truly grieved for yourself. Oh, yeah. It's okay to grieve and you should. And sometimes I even felt guilty for grieving. Like I felt like, I'm sorry, God, like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be unappreciative, but I'm really sad right now. And that's okay. It is. I think. I think I hit a point like I was taking Quran class with my Quran teacher in the blood and I asked to learn Sutra Kehf and Sutra yeah. Kehf has four different stories. And one of the stories is about um, two men with two, two gardens, I believe. And one man is like, Oh, you know, basically God blessed me with children and wealth and this beautiful garden. Or no, I don't know if you even said God, I'm blessed. I, I have, I have this garden, but mm-hmm. you don't have this. You don't have the children and, and all that stuff, basically. Um, and um, in the Quran, it says wealth and children are the adornment of life of this world. But the good righteous deeds that last are better with your Lord for rewards and and better in respect of hope. And that's what kept. And that's when I started bursting into tears. Wow. It was just me and my Quran teacher, because even in the Quran, it says some of you will have basically some of you will have children. Some of you won't, but it's still, both of those things are basically a test. It's a dormant of this life. Wow. That's so beautiful. Because a lot of people don't, don't know that. Again, going back to feeling that you're defective, there's something wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with you. I feel like everything that comes from Allah is not meant to harm you. Hardships and blessings are not meant to harm you both. Exactly. If yeah. it's coming from Allah, he never wants to harm his creations. Um, you right. Yeah. So my, yeah, my it's, question for you would be like, you're on Instagram and you're invited to all these like baby showers and gender reveal parties. And like, just in your mind, what do you go through when you see another pregnancy announcement? You know, it doesn't take much for me to be happy for other people. You know, I I wish for others what I wish for myself. And the more children that are uh, invited to this world, uh, the bigger our ummah and the better our ummah will be, inshallah. And that's the way I think of it. But the only time that it's hard for me, I think, is when it's, like I I've discussed before, when it's the Eid. Yeah. And people are posting pictures of their children in their new Eid outfits and their gifts, and they decorated their house for Eid in Ramadan. And on the day of Eid, what, I mean, what's Eid without children, really, to me, at least? Yeah. I don't have my nieces and nephews with me like I had before because they're in a different state. I can't... You know, I want to spoil children. I want to make their day special for the Eid, but the Eid is just a law, and then I go home. Um, and so that is that's what's hard for me. Um, and I don't think people know. realize what they're doing when they post these pictures. You know I, mean, I mean, you have the right to post pictures no, of, of your. Course, yeah, but you don't realize the how it affects it's having on other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I started to be more conscious about these things, like even food. I try not to post food because you know what? Maybe someone, I, I don't know, maybe they don't have food. Why am I posting my big elaborate meal? You know, I need to think of these, I think of these things more than I used to. Yeah. And that's the thing with social media. I feel like, yeah, we it's like almost like a, a, a platform just to boast at times, even though when you intentionally don't mean to, to do that. But it's like you don't know who's really watching your stories. Have you ever felt like you did need a little social media break? Again, yeah, you're happy for everyone, but sometimes just for your mental health, like did you decide like, let me just take a break from seeing all this stuff. And I, mean, I know everybody's happy, but let me take a break for myself just to really recalibrate myself. Um, I never needed a mental break, mm-hmm. I think, for those reasons but maybe I did like 
on my eighth year anniversary, or was it my seventh? I can't remember. You know, the years just one. <laughs> yeah. But one of the years, I decided not to put a post about my anniversary because I didn't want to draw attention to the fact that how many years we've been married and we still don't have children. Wow. And so I didn't post about it. But the year after that, I was like, you know what? I'm very proud of how far we've come right. and the bond that we've built and how strong we are together. Um, I'm proud of us. Yes, I'm going to own it. We've been married for eight years. And alhamdulillah, we're going strong. Maybe we're not where we want it to be, but we're even further than I ever thought that we would be in our personal relationship. Has this, yeah, That's has a this, great point. Is, That's a great is. point because you, you guys, you're, you're going through this hardship behind closed doors, but look at how far your marriage has, has gone. Yeah. And honestly, these and you're days... you're not alone. You're going through it together. Yeah, these days, I, I don't see marriages lasting that long as they used to. And for you guys to make it work amidst all of this pressure and hardship that's that's beautiful in itself Allah. has this struggle like had any impact on your marriage you know you don't know how one the other is going to deal when hardship comes about right you're engaged you see each other in the best of times right you're not you're not going to see each other at your worst of times mm-hmm. so and that's in any any situation but um you know i i usually try to take things more positively try to see the bright side of things and you know you know, your spouse might not see it that way, might be more depressed, might handle grief a little bit differently. And so you're so you're picking yourself up and also trying to pick up the other, you know? Yeah, that that's Um, absolutely true. And to talk about that, like, do you feel like society in general, I'm not just talking about our culture, our community or whatnot, just society in general, why do you feel like women are asked more about like, when are you having children more so than asking a guy? Because I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. see people going up to the guy My in the relationship husband, yeah. and tell the husband like, oh, when are you guys, when are you and your wife having children? Right. But you know what, though? People have gone to my husband and wow. he gets really upset. Like, well, it's none of your business. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, like, what, what do you think? You're better than us because you have children. This is a blessing from God, you know, either way. But um, but it's always and I, I don't know. I feel like in the blad, they'd be like, OK, go get checked. Why don't you go get checked? Like, mm-hmm. OK, like, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that play into this. It's not one or the other, like, you, you don't know, you're not a doctor, stop telling me things, I'm not stupid, I, I have two degrees and a master's degree, What's I don't, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not stupid, I know to go to the doctor, like, yeah. you know, and how about, okay, so look, what about the relationships outside of your marriage, like, with your friends, your family, coworkers, and whatnot, do you feel like it's affected those relationships in a way, like, where maybe some of your friends were maybe bombarding you too much with asking this, or some people just felt like, I don't know. Has it affected any of your relationships outside of your marriage? Um, there, there are different, I guess, instances where there are some groups of people who, who I really appreciate, who knew that something was wrong, mm-hmm. but because they knew it would hurt me, they didn't say anything. Right. Other, you know, they didn't say anything because they knew it was going to hurt me. Or there was like, for example, the Islamic studies teacher who like knocked on my classroom door and like gave me gave me a piece of paper with a bunch of dot to ask for children and she didn't no questions asked no words exchanged she just gave me the paper and left yeah. and that i really appreciated there are those who gave me like i said the herbs yeah <laughs> and then there are those who actually just pry mm-hmm. for information right oh so whose fault is it why don't you have kids oh, are you trying God. well why do you need to know but then, um, you know, there, you know, then there are people who I know who are going through the same thing, who haven't said anything. Well, I will admit, look, look, I'm going through this, and I don't know if you're going through the same thing, but maybe we can help each other. 
That's, give each other advice. That's beautiful. Because I, I mean, I literally had a friend who she wasn't even trying for a baby at that moment, but her aunt showed up at a party, approached her and she's like, Oh my God, you're pregnant. And my friend's like, no, I'm not literally three times. She had to tell her like, no, I'm not pregnant. Like how many times do you ask somebody if you're pregnant or not? Zero. You know what I mean? And zero. yeah, it be zero. it's so zero. annoying. It's very annoying. Yeah. Like, how do you get, how do you have all just, how do you feel like that, that that's okay to approach somebody? I mean, right. get that first no out, but like to keep prying. To in keep insisting answer. on that insisting. question. That's happened to me before too. At least that was her aunt. I oh. went to TJ Maxx one day and there was this Arabi lady who I don't even know, but she was working there. She's like, oh, are you pregnant? I'm like, no. Uh -huh. She's like, no, no, you are pregnant. I said, no, I'm not pregnant. And I, she's like, no, no, you are. I'm like, listen, my husband is in a different state. If I was pregnant right now, that'd be a problem. All right. That's hilarious. And you know what? Like, why are you insisting on this? And it's like, as if they're trying to become like that magical doctor. Like they're the ones that revealed like this amazing yeah. news to you that you just did not know. I mean, it's oh your God, body. Yeah. I am pregnant. Like it right. doesn't happen like that. It's like your body. I think you would know what's going yeah. on instead of exactly. a TJ Maxx employee over here. Yeah. <laughs> so after when okay when did you get to the point where you're like okay i need to open up to my family i need to be honest with them like this is what's going on we found out that you know we're dealing with infertility issues and this is the process that we're going through did your family accept it were they kind of heartbroken like how what was their reaction you know the first um the first people that actually maybe brought it to my attention i think was you know was my mom you know my mother-in-law hamza she's not overbearing right she doesn't uh you know, say, okay, why don't you like call me every month and ask me if I'm pregnant? Alhamdulillah, she's not like that and put that pressure on me. Um, but my mom, because out of a, you know, concerned mother, she wanted to know, are you okay? Is everything okay? Did you go get checked? And so they were the first. Um, but then, you know, I have a big family, mashallah. Mashallah, and, yeah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, they've just been so supportive, but they also, it made me sad to see them being sad when things, you know, don't work out the way I, I wanted it to or the way I thought it would. Um, but I, I always try to be strong for them and say, no, don't worry. It's, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. This wasn't meant to be right now. It's, it's going to happen for me. I know it is. Um, you know, I'm so confident that, you know, I already planned the name and I already have an outfit already for a baby and I know it's going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I have a positive outlook, whether or not it's my own or whether or not I have to do it through other means, I will have children, inshallah. Inshallah. Look, what advice do you have for people that are coming, like, that approach you about this? Like, clearly you're at the point where, like, you don't need anybody's pity. You don't need anybody's exactly. apology. Hell, it's like you've owned it. How do you want people to react when they do find out the news? This is just in general, because I know a lot of women that deal with infertility, they're just sick of having to open up the same story and hear and look at your face being all sad and depressed for them, you know? Yeah, you know what? Nobody wants to be pitied. Nobody. Yeah, no. Okay, I, I feel so belittled. Um, you know, because we have, I don't know, I guess confidence and strong personalities, and then and then you look at me, it's like I like I'm pitiful or and with pity. Don't look at me like that. Don't look at anybody like that. That's not nice. Um, but just be supportive, you know, yeah. and just be like, all right, I'm making diet for you. That's my favorite thing. I'm making yeah. diet for you. Thank you. I love I love that. You know. Um, and that's that's all I want. So yeah, just don't give me your pity. Give me a dua. Give me your prayers. Yeah, yeah. Your pity is not going to do anything for me, but exactly. make me mad. But your dua might help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Did you think about like joining any like support groups, Fathin? Like, because I mean, when it comes to this process, you almost kind of feel alone at the right. moment because again, not everybody shares this and shares the struggles of infertility. Did you kind of try to seek out any support groups or how did you deal with that? You know, um, I didn't seek out any support groups. Uh, you know, our, 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 our circle, right, of um, our culture, you know, I hang out with a bunch of you know, Muslims and Arab, and we don't usually talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what I found on the internet, like, um, are people with blogs and um, yes. people with video um, blog. I guess, what are they called? Blogs? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I call them vlogs. Why? I don't know why. It's vlogs. But, they, but it's vlogs. <laughs> it's vlogs. Yeah. And that has been so helpful. And I just love the, the online support on, on the internet. Um, and... And how they like, okay, did you take this vitamin or did you take, um, this is the medication I'm taking. And I, I mean, that's been helpful. And, um, but I think more people, people from our culture need to stop being so hush hush about it. And exactly. Yeah. Cause I feel like so many celebrities nowadays are stepping up and, and telling their stories of the struggle with infertility. But I feel like we have to break down the walls within our own community and open up that conversation. I think it's more so because our community looks at it as like almost like just, yeah, you're defected or there's something wrong. And it's just like, you don't, you don't want to deal with that. I think we need to get to a point where even our masjids should have a support group for women like this. Oh, Oh, that's a great idea. They really should. And, you know, I love, love listening to Mufti Mink. He has said it many times in his lectures. Stop asking people why they don't have children. That is not a Muslim thing to do. Yeah. You know? Um, he has many, if you look it up, he has some lectures and the way he talks about it is so beautiful and it, it gives you so much hope. And I, I hope that, you know, and I think the masjid also, like your own masjid needs to talk about it at a khutbah, yeah. you know, on a, a jama'ah, so at the jama'ah, they need to talk about it and say, and look, yeah and i don't want to put all the pressure on the messages because i think like it, it's up to us it's up to us to take this but it does trickle down from there yeah yeah no but i'm saying like it's up to us to take it to the message right. i'm like can you create a support group can you talk about this in, in the next friday khutbah like that would be amazing for us to be able to do that you know yeah. i think exactly. it's, it's not a competition and it's not um it's not uh something that you need to be it's not like you you're doing something shameful no so why not support each other? And it's something right? out of your hands, out of your control. That kind of takes me to the next question. Like, I mean, I know, yeah, you said you, Khalas, you put your whole faith in Allah, basically. Like, this is probably the first time in your life that you felt like something was out of your control. Right, Fathin? Yes. Okay, yes. so, I mean, look, we're so used to being that powerful, strong, confident woman where we're like, all right, if I want to be better myself, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get an education. If I study hard enough, I'll do well. If I work hard enough, I'll move up in my life. But this is something that no matter what you do, no matter what the doctors do, no matter, it's not in your hands. And that's what's so frustrating and, and, and hard to deal with. It's not in your hands. It's in God's hands. And, and there is no doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't answer for you. But he'll answer in three ways, right? Yes. Okay. He'll answer. He, you know, one way he Allah will fulfill the da'a right away. That's one way. The other way is he will store it for for you um, for the hereafter. So like maybe wow, not right now, but maybe for later. Mm-hmm. And the third way is I have something better planned for you. Yeah. So your da'a is going to get answered. Maybe not in the way that you wanted to. Maybe not at the time that you wanted to or anybody else wanted to. But it will be answered. And just be confident. In your maker that he will answer your dot that's a yeah. beautiful way of thinking 
That that is. With I feel like any struggle that you're dealing with, remember that one phrase, and I think it can get you through anything. Yeah. Because exactly. you truly don't know what's meant for you. This is exactly. all in Allah's hands. Exactly. I mean, and this just... is in you said like it's not in the doctor's hands. It's not in your hands. It's in Allah's hands. And I think we just have to open ourselves up to that that concept of just let it be and let Allah deal with it. And just, but I feel like it's also very hard to get to that point of thinking when you're going through a struggle. Like yeah. you know, you you're, yeah, you you have faith in Allah and you have faith in you know everything has a reason. But also when you're sitting at home at night scrolling through Instagram and you see all these pictures of babies and families with their kids in that moment, it's kind of hard, I think. Yeah, so, I don't think you're going to. Yeah, we're yeah, human. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not even like thinking of like, OK, if you don't have a job and then you see all these people post pictures of them at their jobs and like it's it goes with, like think, every scenario. It's not yeah. just not being able it to does. have babies. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think was the hardest part of this journey for you, Fathin? I think the hardest part, honestly, is just the people. Mm -hmm. Stop bothering me, please. It's already hard enough as it is. Stop bothering me. Um, I think it's not even the medications and giving giving yourself shots every day. Um, It's not even the fact that you don't even have kids at that moment. Because you know what? I'm, I fill my time with a lot of things, a lot of productive things. Alhamdulillah, I keep busy. Um, and I have a good life. I think about, oh, you know what? I can pick up and leave anytime I want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a blessing. Um, I can um, I can go back to school if I want. That's a blessing. I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Um, but it's just, if people just let me let me be. <laughs> exactly. If you're not... Don't just don't. That's it. Just don't put pressure on me. That's it. It's not my. It's not in my hands. That's. It's not my. I can't do it. Anything about it. And girl, you're a really busy woman. I mean, can we talk about the projects that you've been working on? Even today, you have an event. Like, let's talk about that because I think that let's showcase that, that you didn't just dwell in this pain and the suffering that you, you know, you found the light and you decided to like, let me focus on other things as well. While inshallah in the background, maybe this will work one day for me. Yeah, inshallah. You know, I didn't just put my, alhamdulillah, I didn't put my life on pods. Mm-hmm. I knew that, okay, there's a reason why this is happening. God blessed me with a lot of time on my hands, because otherwise it would have been harder to do anything else. Right. Um, let me do something positive and productive with this time. So, alhamdulillah, um, I'm working on a documentary with my friend, uh, Deanna Musa. She's a filmmaker. And we're working, it's called The West Bank Narratives. And we're just trying to collect everyone's stories um, to tell your story. Um, as a Palestinian, uh, whether it was your grandparents, your great grandparents, um, and what you're doing now in the United States or wherever you are to keep Palestine alive. And so we're, we're working on that. Um, I have an organization called the Misada Family Literacy Organization, uh, named after my grandmother. And we have an event today. Um, the goal is to, to try to bring, um, our community into the library. Um, you know, to take advantage of the resources, the educational resources at the library that is open for everybody. Um, and we do different events. Like today we're talking about Ramadan and we're going to read a story. We're going to do activities and we're passing out little, little goodie bags, um, with dates and little miswacks. So just to get the kids excited. That's, so that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That, that's really amazing because as soon as um, I when I seen West Bank narrative girl I like followed it and I love the concept uh-huh. and it's so it's just almost like related to your story like we need to say our stories right. whatever the story may be but specifically these Palestinian stories are amazing we and need to preserve them it's done we'll have you back on to talk about it because I'm really interested in that yeah oh thank you inshallah yeah definitely we need to humanize our, our 
our narrative. So uh, inshallah, inshallah, it will be successful. Thank you. Is there anything that you want to leave everybody with? Any advice for anybody that might be suffering with this in silence? What would you recommend that they do? I think um, there are a couple of things. Number one, be kind to yourself. Okay, you're going through a lot. Take yourself out. Um, you know, go get a, if you can afford it, go get a massage or go to a massage school where it's cheaper. Yeah. Um, go get a facial. Um, you know, take yourself out. Be kind to yourself and be kind to your spouse. You know, they're going through it too. Um, that's, you know, number one. Number two, be proactive about it. Start now. Don't say, oh, I can't afford it or I can't do this. Just right now, Allah will find a way for you, okay? Just just get started on it now. And if and then I also thought about it, like, if you're – because the older you get, the harder it is to have children. So I, um, I did think about um, maybe you could even freeze your eggs, right, mm-hmm. and store it for the future because the healthier eggs are, you know, the younger you are, right. um, even for the sperm too. Or or even as soon as you get married, go right away. Go get checked to make sure everything is healthy. Then you can be proactive about it and be ready when you do want to have children. That's a great point because we don't think that. We think of like when we get married, let's just wait the year or two. Let's still have like, – let's just enjoy each other and then we'll decide to have kids. But you don't but, know what's going on inside your body. Yeah, let's get that head start before feeling like we're running out of time or anything like that. Yeah, because time will slip by. Like yes. I don't even feel like it's been nine years, but it has, you know, it's been nine years of my marriage. So it just went by. It feels like just yesterday I got married. So it's kind of a lot. Take advantage of the time. Don't let it go. Absolutely. I really want to thank you, Fathen, for coming on here, sharing your story. It's it's super brave of you because, like I said, a lot of people wait until it's a it's some whatever their hardship that they're going through. They wait until like they are successful and it worked out and then they say their story but you never see like i said the progress and the process that one goes through yeah so Um, you're showcasing and thank you for breaking the silence around Um, this issue that so many women are dealing with thank you for um having me on this podcast i love listening to your podcast it's it's amazing and i'm i uh, i'm so proud i i can't believe like like what we've become alhamdulillah i mean like we were 15, 16 years old when we met Dunya in the Vlad. And, girl, that was um, so girl, forever ago. We met in the Vlad. I was like, who's this pretty girl? And then, oh, hold on, so we went from there. And then um, I, we went back to the States, and you came and you visited your sister. Fun fact, her sister was actually my English teacher. Shada, no way, really? Yeah, wow. I loved her. Subhanallah. So Fathan came and decided to shadow us one uh, day in high school. And yeah. girl, everybody <laughs> loved her. The guys loved oh, her. They are like, who's this like exotic <laughs> princess over here? It was hilarious. And I'm like walking with her in the hallways. Everybody's like, "Who is she?" Wow. Yeah. She. Well, and then call us like our friendship like literally grew from grew there. From there and yeah. I really love you, your family, your sisters. Oh you. yeah. They're like a powerhouse yeah. of amazing, strong women. You Very and all your sisters. Women, you guys. You guys are so sweet, and you guys are so sweet. And I'm definitely going to tell all my students to listen to your podcast because I want them to look up to you guys. Thank and, you. And- and see how amazing you guys are. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we Allah wish you work, all inshallah. the luck with everything. Inshallah, we hear good news from you guys. And and again, if you guys can keep everyone at home listening, just make du'ats, keep praying. And Please. also, like you said, be kind to everyone because you never know what they're going through. Yeah. Ramadan Kareem, my love. Inshallah, this thank ends you, up being a too. successful everyone. one for all of us. Inshallah. Take care. Inshallah. Have fun at your event tonight. Bye, Thanks. girl. Love you guys. Take care. Bye.